We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's another live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. With Emprise, you can check your balance as fast as you check the scores. They'll even give you an instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field. Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner in possible. And I can't believe it's possible. The Kansas City Chiefs are 8-4, and four, tied for the best record in the AFC. And we have a lot to unpack about that team. And here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's up? Well, um, don't lose December. Started off on the right foot. Um, <laughs> don't lose December is go is essentially going the same way as no loss November. You know, it's a team as we all expected, carried by their defense, best defense in the league, carrying one of the worst offenses that I think I've ever laid my eyes upon. Um, so w- things are going well. Like for Craig and I, who are just staunch defensive analysts we only pay attention to defense defense is all that matters craig and i we're happy right now yeah we're ecstatic i i love that maddie has joined me maddie gets to kind of float during the season and 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 cover both sides of the football but as of the past what five six weeks now maddie is full defense now so it's great to have somebody else on my side during the patrick mahomes era it's been a little lonely over here admittedly but it's great to have maddie Joining me over here, Kent, how are you coping with the fact that you're currently having to cover the worst side of the football right now? Well, (laughs) you know, it was, um, it was really fun to get Maddie involved with, with the optimism. That didn't happen. Fake news. Headed into the prediction for she's Broncos and there was a lot of momentum there was a lot of good vibes that I was feeling you know Andy and Patrick Mahomes they're gonna figure it out because they're Andy and Patrick Mahomes and well uh it wasn't great uh it, it I, I I know Maddie's got a lot of strong takes and we're, we're starting gonna... with the defense don't you even dare do this we are starting <laughs> with the defense well we okay we continue to start with the defense and we can just do that okay that's there fine we we'll just go there and um, we'll, we'll start with the defensive side of the football. That's fine. We can get to the less positive things here later in the game. But, I mean, this I don't really, like, it's, I, I, I said it to Craig. I said it to Craig, I think, on the, on the KCSN live postgame show. 
you know, at this point, this is a sample size. This is a very, very real sample size from this defense. And it's impressive. It's impressive what this defense has done, continues to put together, continues to string together, comes out of the bye week, does the same thing that they've been doing. This defense has been dominant, Maddie. It has. I this defense has been exceptional. And like we're gonna run out of ways to describe them, I think, throughout this podcast. Like I know Craig's just chomping to get back in here because he's gonna have some stats and some numbers and stuff with you. So for from my standpoint, like it was from the very beginning, though. Like the first series of the game, who was the player that you saw making all the plays that was setting the tone? It was Melvin Ingram, a guy mm-hmm. that they brought in in the middle of the I don't know how Pittsburgh let him leave the way he looks right now. I don't get it. I really don't understand, let alone letting him go to the Chiefs. I understand they had no other takers. How did they let that man get out of the building? I get it. Alex Heisman's really good. TJ Watts, the best defensive player in all of football. I get it, but you couldn't find a way to let that guy play a little bit. First series of the game, he's setting the tone. As the game continues, you get vintage Chris Jones. You get Juan Thornhill showing up. You have Willie Gay making plays. Jared Ritling. Guys are making plays everywhere. Everybody is making a play throughout the game. Like it rarely, rarely are we going a full game without somebody making a play. Every single player that steps on the field is making Ben Neiman tipping a pass that Dan Sanderson is returning for a pick six. Everybody's making plays for this defense right now. You can't point to a single spot and say that's a definite weak link that we're going to attack because even if it looks like it on paper, it's not sure. Mike Hughes did not get embarrassed in this game against the Denver yeah. Broncos. Like, arguably the, worse than Dan Sorensen earlier when they were both playing. Mike Hughes was yeah. arguably worse than Dan Sorensen. He did not get embarrassed. Now, he split time with DeAndre Baker. I still mm-hmm. would argue that Baker maybe looks a little bit better. But Mike mm-hmm. Hughes played fine. He wasn't an issue. There's nowhere you could point to attack this defense the way it's playing right now. Yeah, it's it's solid. It's, it's a solid unit like everybody's playing well together everybody's filling off of each other well and everybody's passing everything off well in the secondary and that's hard to do when you're having to play with mike hughes and deandre baker back there because those guys are having to fill in for rashad fenton you're seeing charvarius ward matched up with the team's number one a lot charvarius i one of his worst games in a little while because he dropped two picks like and that's the that's the reason why he was in a position to play on the ball and he dropped two picks. One of them led to a touchdown. One of them was a twenty play drive. Both of those would have ended early if Charvarius catches those. But that's fine. Like he has been so good outside of those couple things right there and that fourth down. But it, it's been so good to see these guys that I think we viewed as role players or maybe you know guys that were just kind of filling in a, a replacement level players now all of a sudden are making those impact plays like maddie said guys that are in the backfield guys that are breaking up passes guys that are picking the ball off guys that are just doing what they need to do above what we maybe expect from a lot of these guys. I know this is a very top-heavy defense from a salary and asset standpoint, but as it stands right now, they're getting good play out of those guys that they're paying a lot of money to right now. Make no mistake, both Frank Clark and Chris Jones were very good yesterday against this Denver Broncos offense. They Part of the reason why Teddy Bridgewater struggled so much is because the Chiefs had five guys that were over a 10% pressure rate. Jaron Reed, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, 
and Alex Okafor. All five of those guys contributing at a high level. That sets up the secondary to have success. That sets up, sets up your second level to have success as well. It was just an overwhelmingly positive defense once again. And I, I'll just bridge right into this. It could have been better. The Chiefs had an opportunity to pick off six passes. <laughs> You've got the two that they actually did, you know, Juan Thornhill and then Dirty Dan's pick six and, you know, high stepping his way in there. Charvarius Ward's two. Willie Gay had one on the second drive of the game that would have been a pick six. Mm -hmm. If he catches that, he's gone. And then Alex Okafor had that one that was a screen pass right before the end of the first half that he almost picked off. I don't know if he's going 45 yards out running Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater to the end zone. Just but, stiff arm him into the sun. Oh, my God. That would have been glorious. That would have been the case. So the Chiefs made them work or look even worse than they were. I mean, they were forcing a risk-averse quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that plays it safe 99% of the time into making a bunch of errors in the passing game. So it didn't matter what the Broncos really did on the ground. What they were able to do to affect Teddy Bridgewater was massive this week and was the reason why they were able to keep them off the scoreboard. Uh, shout out DeAndre Baker, mm -hmm. just special attention to DeAndre Baker. I thought he had a very solid performance, uh, coming out of the, uh, coming out of the bye week and, and played well, looked at he got 66% of the snaps, uh, on the game. He actually was the, they, they were alternating series to start and then they just let they, DeAndre Baker go. They rode with Baker the rest of the mm -hmm. way. So it looks like he might have jumped Mike Hughes. And, and who knows with, with DeAndre Baker, if there was a little bit of concern about the injury early on him coming back from injury. And maybe that's why he wasn't getting as much opportunity two months ago. But he really did play well, uh, I thought, and, and, and played you know more than capably. And that's a positive sign because I believe they have him under contract for at least next year. And they might have him for a, another year after that based on, that, on the, um, the tender rules. So um, that was a really nice welcome sight. And... You know, I, I was thinking about this today, guys, because things were, I mean, there, there's no way to sugarcoat. This was the worst defense in the National Football League early in the year. And the range of, like, in the range of outcomes, expecting to see this, I mean, <laughs> I just, like, honestly, like, this is, this, I, I, we don't, we aren't appreciating, I don't think, the turnaround for the defensive side of the football here. Like, we really, and not, well, I, look, Look, I yeah, know speak for yourself, offensive guy. <laughs> I just I it's it's I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it is extremely rare to see a team do a complete 180 like this mm -hmm. with basically the same personnel, sans Melvin Gordon or Melvin Ingram. I mean, I know like I know Frank Clark healthy, Chris Jones back healthy, and Melvin Ingram has undoubtedly made made an impact, but Man, I you got to give a ton of credit to 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 Spags uh, and to the players because I what they've done in just flipping a switch and changing some things up here. I mean, this is a drastically different team and a drastically different unit than I saw. And honestly, I think this is probably better than we even anticipated coming into the year. We got to give credit to the coaches because all the moves they've made, I mean, helped. Like, it all mattered. Yeah, it's mm. essentially the same personnel, yeah. but look at all the changes that were made. Like, you mentioned a few there with Frank Clark getting healthy. That helps. Chris Jones going inside, Melvin Ingram, but subbing out Juan Thornhill for Dan Sorensen. And I get why we, we told everybody why Dan Sorensen was playing. 
but it got to the point to where Juan Thornhill was probably better at doing what Dan Sorensen was supposed to be good at. So they make the switch. And guess who's playing better now? Both of them. Both guys. Oh. Juan Thornhill's playing better than Sorensen was. Sorensen's playing better than he was. Getting Willie Gay back healthy, he still makes plenty of mental lapses. He's still playing catch up on a few plays, but it doesn't matter when you move like he does. You can you can actually catch up sometimes <laughs> and still make a play. So getting him helps. Rashad Fitton getting more run. Like every single move along the way has been good. It's matter. Jaron Reed's now playing better with Christian. Like just every single thing that they have done from the offseason till now has finally started to cash in. It's all starting working. And then as far as just appreciating it i think it's because it started against a bad stretch of teams they mm -hmm. did it against a bad stretch of teams is when this turnaround kind of started to happen and so i think it was being downplayed and downplayed then you get the injury to or covid issue with aaron Rodgers, so he's not out there then you get even with the dallas cowboys they're missing a lot of their good players throughout that whole game like there's a reason to dial back you know the hype but at some point in time we're going six games strong now of this defense being really really good like you do need to start appreciating it like it is at that point in time now it doesn't matter if you're not playing you know top three offenses week in and week out and doing this what they're doing to these other teams no other team in the nfl is doing right now but maybe the patriots the patriots is the only team whose defense might be playing this good right now and that's about it yeah and the patriots are also playing a bunch of cupcakes too bunch of a bunch of teams that are struggling right now like everybody went bananas about the patriots putting it to the browns how does that look in retrospect? Like it looks I mean, like they're playing in a cupcake tonight. You see that? Yeah. It does. Oh my goodness! Yes, it does. I mean, you look back on some of those teams that the Chiefs were were really beaten up on. The Eagles, whose offense with Jalen Hurts seems to have found a little bit of a groove. Washington Football Team that's come on strong. They the Cowboys still had Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb for a half, and Michael that Gallup. Group, like that. I mean, did that just was fine the next week. Yeah, they really did. So I mean. We can we can make excuses and pinpoint things that may have gone a different way, but the point is they're beating down the teams that are coming out there. They're beating down the teams that are coming out there so badly that three out of the past four weeks, all the Chiefs have needed to do was run two drives at the beginning of the game on <laughs> offense in order to win. Like that's how good the defense has been. You're that's trotting them out do. there in that's high about, that's about all it's been. I know it is. Yeah, it is. But you're trotting them out there in high leverage situations. This Chiefs team is seeing so many fourth down, you know, opportunities that are against them. They've seen 14 of them in the past five games. 14. Now, granted, six of those were last night, but they're constantly in these high leverage situations where they're protecting narrow leads and they're continually showing up and getting the offense the ball back. I said it last night, the offense of old would have killed for the defense to get the stops that they're getting right now because it, it these games would have been runaway. You would have seen guys resting, although the, Spagnuolo actually did a really good job of resting his defensive line. Like those guys, DeAndre Baker played the same amount of snaps as Chris Jones and Frank Clark played less than him, and Frank Clark's been playing upwards of 80% of the snaps for a while now. Like, they were really running him ragged, coming out of the bye, obviously rotating those guys a little bit. It was good to see them not really burning them up in the stretch here. So we would be seeing a lot different scenarios if we were able to combine this with the side of the ball that we need to talk about now. So um, let's get to it. It's not great. Kent... 
Kick us what? off, buddy. I got one quick thing left on defense okay. here. Yes. I just, yes. I just, Let's... you mentioned it there with high leverage situations, but I just want to talk about it. Like, I do think that people are, we're all as a group, starting to appreciate how good the defense has been. But the situations that they've been in, the big stops that they've made, I, I think is going under the radar. The fourth, a 20 play drive that lasted 11 minutes of game time, 30 minutes okay. of real lifetime. Like, this took forever to get done. The Chiefs come away with a fourth down stop to stop the Broncos from scoring, to turning this into a lot closer game right before half. Then coming out of halftime, the Bron- or the Chiefs come out, they throw that interception. Like this is a chance for the Broncos to get all this momentum back. They can have it, everything right here. They can make it a game. What does the defense do? They force a three and out. And actually fun fact, both players that are involved in the biggest stops in there, the second down run on the three and out, and then the fourth down stop, Jared Reed making plays against the run on the interior. It's like just yep. it's the big stops that they're making. Like, imagine if either one of those go the wrong way. Even if it's just a field goal, imagine if the Broncos get a field goal there before half, and then the Chiefs do whatever that garbage was they did before half. Imagine <laughs> if after the interception, the Broncos go down and score instead of a three and out. Like this game looks a lot different with as un- or as questionable as this offense has been, as bad as it's been. This defense has to make these plays and they're doing it week in and week out. Like that's the amazing part. It's not just playing good. It's being put in these awful, awful situations by this offense over and over again and still executing time and time again. I think, uh, I think this defense has also like been set up somehow to, to continue to play the way that they're designed to be playing from out front. Somehow. which is which is stunning which, i mean they are in front but they're in front by this much instead of the typical this much that you would expect it's incredible but um and one more thing i think spags i gosh i think his his pressure mm. timing has been outstanding when he adds to the math he's just his instincts have been so good like especially this week i was very impressed with what he was able to do with his pack with his blitz packages so um shout out to him and uh, I mean, shout out to that entire coaching staff. So guys, when I set out this year to start writing about the first 15 on the KCSN Substack this year and, and really little wanting to you know. take a look about that, <laughs> little did I know that would be like the only time this team would score and look competent for the entirety of the game. Maybe this is the first 15 curse. I don't know. But I mean, Maddie, you talked about it on the show. On the post game show last night, there is a script. There is like, there's not an opening script. There is just a script to how this game is played by the Kansas City Chiefs offense week over week over week over week. And I cannot believe this is the place that we are at with this side of the football, which is, you know, consistently like they they've been the Golden State Warriors. This team has been an unprecedented unit. This is like this is like the this is like the Warriors forgetting how to shoot threes. This is like them not shooting threes. Really? This is what this is them focusing on the mid-range. Like I it's I don't even I can't it, it's dumbfounding and it's infuriating and it's saddening. I do think there's some glimmers of hope and we'll get there maybe, but I know there's plenty still negative to carry over, especially since this is the game we saw out of the bye week. The Andy Reid out of the bye week game. This is what we saw offensively. Kent, you just like drove me to a four way stop and like just told me to pick a direction and go after the end of that. Like you, you just gave me the entire world to go in on. Um, let's okay. Let's start with this. The comparison. Oh no, no, Craig, it's not gonna be a long one. We're gonna we're gonna oh, break okay. this off. We're taking we're going left first. Uh, <laughs> the comparison of the Golden State Warriors. I don't mind it. That's a good basketball one. But the Chiefs' offense right now 
they're, they are a rom-com. That's exactly right. It's a very predictable script every single week. <laughs> Once every six weeks, every six games, just like every six years, there might be a good, enjoyable rom-com that'll roll around. Hello, Las Vegas Raiders game. But besides that, this is the exact same script week in and week out. Awesome first drive. Good second drive that usually ends up in a field goal because something dumb happens in the red zone. The rest <laughs> of the first half is this just flailing around, lots of three and outs, not playing well. They come out of halftime. They look pretty good. Here comes the strong second half push. Oh, wait. Turnover in opponent's territory. <laughs> then the re- then they try to go a couple drives where they push the ball downfield. They try to force an explosive play. It doesn't work. Then they just end up running the ball 800 times in the fourth quarter to, for no real success. Week in, week out. It is as predictable as any random romantic comedy you can think of that has released in the last two decades. That's the Chiefs offense right now. Every week, Craig. I... I love that. <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> it's so good. That, that's really good. That's really good. And he's right. I mean, th- the opening script is pretty good. Like, I went back and I looked since week five because the first four weeks of the season, the Chiefs were kind of steamrolling all game long. About week five is when it started to fall apart in a big way. The Chiefs, in the first two real drives of the game, like not a short field, like the defense, you know, got a turnover in the Cowboys game. I didn't count that one. I want to say the first they didn't, two I, real... Last I checked, I don't think they could score a touchdown on that play, on that possession. That's though. true. That's true. <laughs> they did not. So the, the first two real drives where Andy Reid has a script and he's working off of it, they've averaged 52 yards a drive and over three points a drive. Since that... The the games as a whole, it's 38 and just around two points a drive. They drop 20 yards and a full point per drive on the whole. That includes that opening script there. It's just not good. The Chiefs are coming out. They are scoring or turning it over in some cases, but they're coming out and they're scoring at will and they're opening 15 and then it just disintegrates. Like it goes away completely they have scored on nine of the 12 you know opening sessions basically they have scored a touchdown in nine of the 12 the only other ones were you know the titans the bills and then that chargers game where they got into the red zone a whole bunch of times and turned it over a whole bunch of times so they've been so effective at moving the ball and putting points on the board early that's why it's so baffling. I think that's why everybody's getting so frustrated by it because you see it. It works and it works every week. So why is it when it shifts to, hey, we got to make an adjustment? Hey, the defense is picking up on some of the things that we're attacking them with this week. Hey, we've got to make a small little tweak to what we're doing. Does it fall completely apart? Because that's it's so concerning that there is such a stark difference between that first 15, you know, opening first couple drives and everything else that happens in the game. Well, and this is where I want to take this a little bit because I want to know where you guys want to hand blame out uh, for this particular game. Because I think there's been, you know, like this, this is where I'm curious because like, I know, I, I know there's a lot of layers to that. Because I know Maddie's going to get pissed about the end of half drive. <laughs> I know that. For good Jan- reason. Still am. 
being pissed about that. Stay one. mad. Get mad. Stay mad. Um, but is that play calling? Or is that just decision making? Is that game management? And at what point did Andy just say we got this? At what point did Andy just sit on the football and let us all just kind of simmer and stew with the fact that the offense really didn't do much? And how much of that decision making was the drops that the wide receivers were making? Was the lack of communicate the miscommunications between Mahomes and receiver? Like the it's it's I'm fascinated where you're gonna hand blame out both of you. Um, because I I think there's just there's devil's advocates for everything. And I think it's like I think the answer probably for me falls somewhere equal share almost. But I want to hear where you're going, Maddie. Well, okay, first of all, there's no excuse for the cowardice that we saw at the end of the first half. Drops, no drops, interceptions, no interceptions, one-legged quarter, literally one-legged quarterback. There's no excuses for whatever that was at that point in time. You had two timeouts. There was barely, barely over a minute left. Like, worst-case scenario, if it doesn't work after you throw the ball twice, you get them to burn a time. I, it was awful. Go on, Kent. I... I'm going to throw that because I all I could think about, and this is not me supporting this or any any way, shape, or form. So don't bite my head off, Matthew. Gonna. This is the only logical thing I can explain for the cowardice at the end of the first half. The Chiefs' defense had just been on a twenty-play drive. If they get off the field quickly. If the offense gets off the field quickly. What do you mean a, if? They yeah. did. They did. They got off the field quickly. They went three and out and put the defense right back on the field. I, Go ahead, I know. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. I think I just kind of wonder if he was hoping to get a first down and, and milk that clock or at least, you know, force that just kind of just just force that clock to get run out or the timeouts to get run out. That's really what I think was going to happen. I, I honestly think that's, that was the logic and it was just so horrifically executed. Sure. I definitely think that's the logic and that's called being a coward. Like that's what it is. That's exactly what just happened. Yes. That's the logic. He was afraid to trust his offense to pick up one first down by playing offense. So he just wanted to luck into a first down on the ground. So the defense got a rest until halftime. Yes, I agree. That's what was happening. Coward. Coward move. So where am I placing blame? It It's going to start up at the top, but I'm not going to specifically say Andy Reid because I don't actually know what's going on right now. It looks wild to me. The game planning week to week. This was a two-week game planning session, and this is what you came out with? Goodness gracious. And what sinks the first 15, those first two drives were great. A lot of shallow crosses. The amount of times Tyreek Hill or another receiver was matched up on Baron Browning or Kenny Young, who's a punk, I Kenny Young is a punk. The, mm, the, amount of times we had, mm. the amount of times we had receivers matched up on linebackers was insane. And then those disappeared completely. They're like, hmm, shallow crosses are working as the game goes on. I got it. Let's just go back to slant flat RPO over and over and over again. Like, I don't understand the logic to removing that when it was working so well to start the game. So the game planning, terrible. Last year, when the Chiefs played the Broncos, the Broncos played a ton of single high. They were rolling down a safety a lot last year, and they were doing it early. They weren't doing it post-snap. They were doing it a good three, four seconds before the ball was snapped. That's enough time for Mahomes to see it and to do stuff. Guess what they did this game? The same thing. How many times did the Chiefs even attempt to challenge vertically? 
like once, one time, and Mahomes' arm got hit trying to hit Hill on a deep over route. It was wide they, open, by the way. They simply <laughs> just refused to attack the Broncos' defense and the way the Broncos were allowing them to attack them. And this week, much like the Raiders' week, it aligned perfectly with what they wanted to do. So whoever is controlling the game planning from a week-to-week, -week, from a team-specific standpoint, you get 75% of the blame. 75% goes to whoever that is, whatever can, you know group of people that is doing that, they get the vast majority of the blame. The other 25% goes to these bum receivers who can't catch a football. I'm kidding. They're not all bums, but these guys can't <laughs> catch. I don't understand how you can't catch. Andy Reid's talking about they need to go back to fundamentals of catching. What have you been doing for the last 11 weeks? Like this is what you doing on the bye year. week. Like what? How do you still need to work on the fundamentals of catching? This isn't new. This isn't the first week they've been bad. What have you been doing if that's the case? That that's where I'm splitting up the blame. I uh, that that's where I'd split the blame too. And Patrick Mahomes has been bad. I mean, he he's had some bad moments. I shouldn't say he's been bad. He's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still yeah, he's I'm gonna still, continue his, to defend his, him. His not entirely bad, His bad is still well above you know, better other than Teddy Bridgewater. Good. I mean, yeah, but he missed some dudes. Like there was a lot of stuff that he missed that was open in this game. Like, so I do think that when things align correctly for this offense to actually do something that moves the ball, that gets them going, can tilt the momentum in their favor, they miss. Whether it be the receiver, whether it be Patrick Mahomes, whether it be you know the protection, whether it be you know the the game script, you know the way that they've called the things. So. It, it just seems like everything lines up to be negative for this offense. It really does. It seems like they're just fighting themselves so much. And they've talked about that. They've, they've mentioned, you know, we're beating ourselves. We have to do this because we are the ones that are causing all of this. So I do think that that's where I'd place the blame. Also, Kenny Young, buddy, mm, you just... Whatever the line on Travis Kelsey's receiving yards is in week 18, take the over on that one. Kenny Young remembered that Travis Kelsey had a little bit of a neck stinger coming out of the Bills game. That was reported. Kenny Young made sure to tackle Travis Kelsey around the neck, wrench his head at every moment, all kinds of... You saw Travis Kelsey get angry about it. He very clearly knew what Kenny Young was doing. The referees allowed it to happen all game long. They're going to sit down and watch that tape and you know what's going to happen? They're going to go, all right, we got him next time. We we are going to punk him next time. Whether that be Trey Smith pulling around and just absolutely flattening him and landing on top of him or Travis Kelsey just beating the hell out of him in every single route. It's coming. It's happening. It, mm, that, that pissed me off. Let let Anthony Hitchens near him somehow. Oh, man. <laughs> we haven't even talked about that. We'll just Beautiful. keep keep Hitchens away from Quinn Miners, who chucked him out the club a good five yards. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I kind of said, like, there's a, there's a lot of blame to go around, you know? And I think there's – I think that's true. So – I don't think the play calling was egregious for the entirety of the game. I think they get some guys open. I think some guys were open. Um, I think the execution across the board was really, really bad. I think the drops were egregious. 
I don't think the play calling was great by any stretch of the word. I think the cowardice in the first half was poor. And that there's a list of things here. And I think there's a billion Patrick Mahomes footwork on some of the, some of the throws that he missed. There was, you know, just a, a lack of attention to detail. And the thing that bothers me is I do think these are all correlated. I really de- genuinely do. I think up and down this entire thing is correlated. There seems to be, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and I can't believe I feel like this. It feels like some lack of accountability across the board. Attention to details are being missed across the board at a rate that is alarming in every facet of the game. Quarterback, receiver, play calling, decision making, trust, you name it. And there's just too much little things, too many little things happening week over week for me to think that this is just like, I, we, at some point, there's some left, there's some, there's a lack of accountability here because little things keep getting in the way of this team achieving what we know they're capable of. And so I don't know exactly how to quantify that or who to place the blame on in its entirety. But that overarching sense I feel is not good. <laughs> Do we think that they've ever been a fundamentally sound, buttoned up tight unit? Hmm. I think they've always been a little schoolyard, and I think that's fine. There's like I think that's been good. I think what here's the thing. I think they I think there's like a ooh, this mm, this is gonna get interesting. <laughs> So, yeah, maybe it, it, I okay. Maybe there, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this in great. It's on live. This it, it, is a live. Yay, show. Yay, live. <laughs> so, like, if it, like, there's there's always been a schoolyard mentality, and maybe mm. there has been an attempt to rein that in, and maybe the response hasn't been mm. great. And if that's the case, that's still a problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, like I don't think there's any way you cut it. Like there's still that, that underlying issue there that there seems to be a disconnect here in this organization on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know exactly who to blame, who to assign it to, whether it's trying to rein in the schoolyard mentality, which like, why, (laughs) why, why would you not want the chemistry of, of Mahomes and Kelsey playing out? Because you you don't want to turn the ball over Kent. Like that's clearly the, (laughs) Oh, sorry. Oh, forgot. No, no, no. Unpacking this though. Okay. In the past, I don't, it, even more so than schoolyard though, I don't think they've ever been a particularly fundamentally sound team. This Chiefs team under Andy Reid's always been relatively high on mistakes, like just mental errors, penalties. I mean, it's not necessarily been turnovers, but I mean, starting with Andy, there's been clock management issues. They've been a highly penalized team a lot of seasons. They've always been pretty high on drops. Like, and that includes your best players, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. I know stats and drops get really iffy, but I mean, we watch all the games. Those guys are not the most sure-handed at their positions for a tight end and a wide receiver. Now, they get a lot of targets, so it balances out, but they're not the most sure-handed. Demarcus Robinson's never running like hardly any exact routes in his time with Kansas City, but it's worked in the past. Tyree Kill makes a lot of cuts and breaks on stems off the wrong foot. His footwork is not great in his routes. It looks good, but it's not textbook. That's okay. Antonio Brown also never ran a textbook route in his life and one of the best runs of a receiver ever. 
Travis Kelsey, we all know he runs stuff off script all the time. That's very known right now. This team has never been a fundamentally sound team. They've never been a team that's doing things by the book. So when you see a receiver that's, you know, looking upfield as he tries to catch the ball, that's normal, in my opinion, for this team. That's normal for them. Patrick Mahomes with awful footwork trying to sling a ball sidearm because it's a slightly easier throwing window, not because he can't throw it overhand, just the window's slightly more open. That's normal for this team. All of a sudden this year, though, all this stuff just isn't working. It's just a little bit off. And as to Kent's point, is that somebody trying to correct their loose style of play? Chris Sims, two years ago or last year, I think it was two years ago, had a big whole thing just about how they lacked exact routes. They lacked a lot of man beaters in this offense because it was all guys running to space. All their routes were called to go to space, not a specific yard depth with a specific leverage or anything. It was all into space. That's how the offense was running a couple years ago. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting all these RPOs that are a little bit more farther downfield, slant, hitches. Now, you're getting a lot of these option routes. That's exact. Like, they've turned from just the completely free-flowing thing, and it almost looks like they're trying to shift into a more precise offense, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it's just clearly not working. So, I agree the fundamentals are lacking, but I think they kind of always have been. My issue now is they're not making up for it because their confidence is shattered by whatever else is happening. Nobody on this team plays confident on the offensive side week to week. You can see, I think you can see Patrick Mahomes' body language as the game goes on when those drops start coming. When you see the receivers not running to where he expects them to be. I'm not saying he's right, they're wrong, just whoever. You can see his body language start to go downhill. Mm -hmm. He starts throwing with less confidence. And then he makes a rolling right throw on a broken play to Daryl Williams and all of a sudden it's back for a play or two and then something negative happens and then it kind of goes away again. Just the confidence for everybody just seems shattered. And I don't know where you point to, to say that's where it gets fixed. Is it just letting them play loose? Is it trying to rein them in and just run the ball and throw the ball 4.8 yards, a dot or whatever they've been trying to do lately? Like what is the fix? I don't think it's what they're doing. It's clearly not working, but I mean, something's got to change. Well, fundamentally then they don't have, they, this is a, it's a fatal flaw that won't be fixed if if all that is true, because yeah. the formula is now we're going to make the Chiefs drive down the field with great consistency. Uh, we're going to force all these this undisciplined team. Well, at, you know, they're, yeah, they're just forcing this group to to you know to drive down the field and not make a mistake. But this group is prone to make a mistake when they're not as high you know high high velo- you know high velocity as they normally are. You know, so. And maybe that's maybe that's where some of your belief that this is you know going to be difficult to turn around came from, Maddie, or is it more than just that? It's everything at this point in time. I just like to figure out how to turn this around. I would have to have something to go back and hang my hat on. It's going to be the turning point, and I just simply don't have it at this point in time. We kind of thought coming out of the Raiders game it was going to be there, but then you realized oh, the Raiders kind of gave you a gimme, and then the Chiefs didn't carry that confidence forward. Also, like. I don't know where you're going to have the belief that this thing turns around right now. Like, I don't know where you get it from. I don't know how you instill confidence in a team that isn't being put in the situations in the past where they've been the best. Like this coaching staff is not putting the offense in the plays in the spots that they succeeded in the past. And the few times that they do, the offense isn't executing. So like which leg has to come first? Like you can simply sit here and say, Oh, if they execute better, this game looks a lot better. Like, sure. If nobody drops a football in this game, the Chiefs looks just fine versus the Broncos and all. Oh, they smoke them. Yeah. <laughs> Conversely, 
I think if the game's called better, if the game planning is better, I think they still smoke them even with that average execution because the Chiefs have done that to teams over the years. They've had average execution. How many times did we sit there and say, man, if Patrick Mahomes didn't have those five overthrows on those long shots, they would have put up 60 points or whatever. Yeah. Like They've executed poorly in the past and blown teams out. Right now, they're executing poorly and game planning poorly, and I just don't know which one's got to flip first to help the other. I, I do. At the very least, you look at it, and you can see that all of it, is not looking great. So you have a little faith. I know, and I know that we're we're this far into the season. We we haven't seen it a ton, but you have a little faith that even if they clean up one, like Maddie was saying, if they have you know, they get to average execution, now all of a sudden things are going to be good to find on that side of the ball again to match with the great that's on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's I just can't <laughs> believe this. <laughs> no, but that's the truth. It I know. The truth. So I mean. And there's time still. There yeah. really is. There is time to get some of that drilled down, however it is, whatever it is that needs to change. Maybe that little back and forth that Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy had on the sideline, which, you know, it's fine. It's a coach and a quarterback just offering opinions to each other very loudly, it appeared. So, I mean, and that's fine. Maybe that's what it takes for them to sit down and say, hey, here we go. This is going to be the thing where you need to adjust some of this on both sides to answer some of the questions that we have about this offense looking better. But you know, a question you don't have to ask, where is the new McAdoodles going to be? Because it's going to be in Lee's Summit, Missouri, summer 2022. That doesn't mean we need to stop getting McAdoodles here. That's quite the opposite. We need McAdoodles all over Kansas, all over Missouri, and they're already all over Arkansas. But let's get more down in Arkansas, up in Iowa, over in Nebraska, wherever it is that you are listening to this from. You need to get a hold of Roger info at macadoodles.com because they're going to lay out the business plan for you. They're going to lay out everything you need to bring the best liquor store in your area to your area. So get a hold of him, get one in your town, and let's get some more in Kansas City. The one at least summit is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm here for it. I want more. I want to I want to be able to just kind of do a big loop of Kansas City Macadoodles by the end of all of this. Do you know a ring is also considered a loop? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Ruback's got their annual diamond band giveaway that they're doing on their Instagram page. Go to Ruback Fine Jewelry KC. There's still some time to participate in that. So make, make sure you go check that out and make sure you check out Ruback Fine Jewelry when you are looking for your next, you know, jewelry need. If it's an engagement ring, if it's a present for, you know, the, the mother of your child, whatever it is. I promise you, you need to go talk to Hal at Ruback Fine Jewelry. Uh, go talk to him. He'll, he'll get, it's it's going to be a, a a real easy experience. He's not going to pressure you. He's not going to put too much pressure on you. Um, he's going to listen. He's going to adhere to what you want, and he's going to try to fit within your budget. He's not going to try to stretch you beyond what you're comfortable uh, purchasing. So Ruback.co, set an appointment with Hal. You get his undivided attention. It is a wonderful experience. You will not regret it. Maddie, what are we handing out tonight? Oh, I mean, we're we're handing out the same stuff, same stuff as always. Always can. Um, you you're handing out a helmet sticker. Oh well, I am going to hand out 
a helmet sticker to Ben Neiman. <laughs> because Ben Neiman started the interception that I did not like the, 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 the combo of those two. Ben Neiman blitzing, tipping a pass, Dan Sorensen pick six. Imagine. I, I I just cannot believe that is a combination that we experienced here uh on a on an interception picks uh tip pick sip. So sh- shout out Ben Neiman, who hasn't really got a ton of attention when it comes to that play. Because I mean Dan Sorensen, I mean Dan Sorensen did a celebration. Like he was oh man, like glorious. What, what happened to Dan? What do you think he did? Do you think he planned that, or do you think that was a spur of the moment? Oh, it's mm, spur of the moment. No, 100% yeah, totally. spur of the moment. He's like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to r- toss the oh, ball. Up and, oh, yeah. I think he's had that in the bag since like week seven. <laughs> like he's just been waiting for a chance to bust that out since week seven. Okay, sure. Well, there's my uh, helmet sticker. Uh, we're giving a, a, a butt slap out to Daryl Williams. Because um, he's the best receiver on the team. He's really, though. I mean, honestly, this year he's been exceptional. He Everyone's going to remember the catch down the sideline, you know, the, even the great catch, the, you know, essentially the only deep pass the Chiefs were able to complete. But he had two other catches. One of them was another nice little snag. He's looked really good as a receiver this year. Getting Greg Lewis to come over from being the wide receiver coach to the running back coach, I think we all got really excited that was going to help Clyde Odzilaire. Like, I remember that was a talking point in the offseason how this was going to turn, you know, weaponize Clyde Edwards Delaire. He's going to line him up out wide. They're going to run some routes out with him. They also did do that. They did run a route with Clyde Edwards Delaire mm-hmm. from a kind of receiver spot. He was in and motion going to the backfield. Stack, good. It was like he was, it was a stack, but he was lined up like three yards off the line of scrimmage. It was a nice route, though. Yeah, uh, it was. So, so real quick, Maddie. I'm sorry to cut in. I'm going to, oh, I got to cut no, in please. really, really quick on what you're talking about with Daryl Williams. The two leading receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs. Last night, Daryl Williams, three catches for 60 yards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, three catches for 20 yard, 28 yards. Nobody else had more than three catches, and nobody else had twenty more than 28 yards, so or 27 yards receiving. Travis Kelsey, 27 yards, everything else, everybody else was underneath that. Unbelievable. Sorry, continue. No, that, that's fine. Yeah, no, it's wild, but we all thought that Greg Lewis was going to help and I'm sure that he has, but you can really see the improvement with Daryl Williams. He's always been a good receiver, but it's just kind of been out on the flat or they're going to run him up the seam and see if he's wide open. But now there's a little bit more wiggle. There's a little bit more actual route running to his game. I think Daryl Williams has been an excellent receiver for the Chiefs. You know, hit or miss in the runs. I, 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 you know, I could do with less Daryl Williams runs just because I don't think there's a lot of dynamic ability there. I think it's pretty straightforward. He's going to get you what the offensive line does. But as a receiver and as a blocker, he's been exceptional. So, you know, big, big butt slap to him this week because without him, I don't know what this offense looks like. All right. My whole ass bottle of vodka that I usually have to give out is transforming to a whole ass bottle of milk for our guy, Dan Sorensen. The much maligned player earlier this season the transition that he's been able to make has been it's changed the defense this dime defense has been the chiefs best defense on a yards per play basis and that's where darren Sorensen plays he also plays in the red zone no coincidence They've been pretty good in the red zone. Everybody's going to point to this interception and the run back. Fantastic job by him. I was impressed by not only him 
taking away Noah Fant on that two-point conversion, sticking with him, playing, stopping him short of the goal line there. I was also impressed with the number of times in the red zone that they tried to boot and get Dan Sorensen with a receiver in man coverage, and Dan Sorensen took him away. Took away Ted Patrick, took away Cortland Sutton. That's something earlier this season, even when they were starting to rebound, even when they were starting to turn the corner a little bit, Dan Sorensen still had some issues in those in those spots. He was really, really good. Out, not even just the interception. He was really good in other elements of the game. So a whole ass bottle of milk for Dan Sorensen. Buddy, you earned it. Now, one is- thing before you close it out. I want to ask quick little trivia. Just quick little trivia for you guys. Quick little trivia. <laughs> every when time. The, every time. Every one? Monday. Yes. This happens every out, Monday. You try to get out of here too quick. When is the last time that both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey had less than 30 yards receiving in a game? Never. I believe it is never. <laughs> I believe that's the correct answer because I'm scrolling back pretty far right now and I have not come across one. I am scrolling deep back. I, I I got one more year to go just to double check. But um, the uh, judge, uh, Young Regis, has just informed me. Yes, uh, the answer is never. So, Kent, Kent, you were correct. Cool. That's going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory the Live. Go ahead and go watch Bills, Patriots. I guess we're rooting for the Bills tonight and then the Tampa Bay Bucks next week because then if the Chiefs hashtag run the table – There's only two teams standing in their way of a one seed. That is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for supporting KC Sports Network, and we will catch you later. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com